诗篇三十四章一到三节，我要时时称颂耶和华，赞美他的话必常在我口中，我的心必因耶和华夸耀。谦卑人听见就要喜乐，你们和我当称耶和华为大，一同高举他的名。Psalms 34:1-3. I will bless the Lord at all times; His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name together. This is the word of the Lord for us. Praise be to the Lord. Well, it's、uh, it's really good to be here.、Um, my name is Jason Honeymuller. And、uh, this is my family:、um, my wife Angie, my daughter Bree, my son, my two sons Jesh and JT. And、um, we've lived here in Beijing for about a little over 15 years now. And、um, yeah, today I'm going to talk about.、Uh, I'm not going to talk. I'm going to guide you guys through Psalm 34.、Um, and I really hope. Kind of my goals for today is I hope we can enter in and kind of experience what David was going through. In Psalm 34, enter into his heart, and then、um, I'm going to share a little bit of my own story as well.、Um, some of the failures and successes I had,、uh, and, and continue to have at、um, trying to have the heart that David had in the Psalm. And so、um, I just want to pray for our time and and、um, yeah, lift this up to God. Heavenly Father,、um, I just praise you and thank you so much for the promises that we have in you. You,、um, you love us. You call us your sons and daughters,、um, and you have called us to a life of knowing you and trusting you and praising you and worshiping you.、Um, God, I pray that you would help us to see you more clearly today.、Um, I pray that we would learn from the example of David, and I just pray that your Holy Spirit would fill me and speak through me.、Um, if there's anything that I say that's not according to your heart. Um, please stop up the ears of my brothers and sisters here, and if there's anything that's according to your heart, help them to hear and to、um, take to heart and apply your word, that you would be glorified. And we ask this all in Jesus' name, Amen.、Um, so I, I said I was going to share a little bit of my own testimony,、um, a little bit of things that God's done in my life.、Um, so I came from like a nominal Christian family.、Uh, Yeah, kind of in my family, the attitude was church is a good thing. It's a good thing to go to church. We don't do it every week. We do it every once in a while.、Um, but God really has nothing to do with our daily lives. He's a Sunday thing, and that's about it.、Um, but during the second week of college, I went to the University of Iowa, and、um, there was a guy that was serving in the campus ministry, and he called me and he asked me if I had 20 minutes to hear about how I could have a personal relationship with God. And so I was like, okay, second week of college, I don't have anything going on. That sounds good. I'll do that.、Um, and I heard it, and I don't have time to go into all of why this was the case, but it was really good news for me at that time in my life. It was such good news, and、um, I asked Jesus to be my savior that day.、Um, I invited him、uh, into my life, and I was really excited about the gospel. I was really excited to tell the people that I knew. I told my family. I told.、Um, yeah, I went home and told my parents. I told my sisters.、Uh, I told my friends. Like whenever there was a project in class that I could have a chance to share about Jesus, I would share about Jesus. 
I annoyed a lot of people at that time. <clears throat> and um, I, I annoyed my parents especially because I went home and it was kind of like, okay, um, Jason, it's good. God's good. It's good to believe in God. But don't be weird, okay? Be respectful. Be uh, respectable maybe is a better word. Um, don't make people feel weird. Don't be one of those kinds of weird Christians. And so that was my freshman year. I was on fire for Jesus, and I talked about him with whoever would listen. Um, uh, but then as the year went on, as that freshman year went on and into my sophomore year, my fire kind of slowed down a little bit, and I really started to take my eyes off God. Um, and the good news was, was not that awesome to me anymore. I, I kind of got used to it. Um, I also kind of became a leader in a campus ministry. Um, I started kind of being respected in the Christian circles, and I stopped being so weird towards non-Christians, um, which can be a really good thing, but where my heart was at, it wasn't necessarily a good thing. I was caring a lot about what they thought of me, and I kind of became a cool Christian. At least that's what I thought of myself. Like, I'm cool in the Christian circle. I'm cool in the non-Christian circle. This is kind of where I want to be. And so, um, but I remember during the winter break of my sophomore year, um, I went back uh, to my hometown and I went to hang out with my high school friends and they're all not Christians. And so I remember kind of being at this apartment with my non-Christian non friends and we were all like watching a movie and playing some games and things like that. And then one of them's like, hey, have you guys heard from Jake? This is this guy that we all kind of knew and some of them were closer friends with him. Like he he's kind of gone off the deep end. They're like, yeah, I, I know what you mean. Like, he's really weird. He became a Christian, and it's like all he talks about is Jesus. And they were kind of upset about it. They're like, where is the Jake that I knew? Where is that guy? And then they kind of looked at me, and they're like, oh, no, no. It's all right, Jason. Not like you. Like, you haven't changed at all. Like, you're <laughs> same old Jason. You're good to go. You know, like, you're a cool guy. And uh, I was like, Thanks, yeah. And uh, at that moment, I was like, God just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was like, hey, can I use your computer in the other room? And I like exited the room and I just bawled. <laughs> I just was like crying. I was like, this is not who I want to be. Um, this is not what I wanted to be. <clears throat> and I knew there was something wrong. You know, so what was it? What was it that there was, what was wrong? What was going on in my heart that was wrong? And I think what it was is there was, there was a big gap between the man that I wanted to be and the person that I was acting like. Um, I was afraid to be laughed at or thought weird. Um, yeah, Jake, he couldn't stop talking about Jesus, and that used to be me, and that was the heart that I wanted, um, but that was not where I was at. And so the challenge that I want to give you guys today, um, I'm, I'm not saying we all need to look weird all the time, but are you willing to be a nerd for Jesus? Are you willing to look a little crazy? And um, David in Psalm 34 was crazy for God. Um, yeah, so it's interesting um, because actually the background of the psalm has to do with him acting crazy, like on purpose. Um, so I'm gonna give a little bit of the background of the story. You can kind of see the slide up there. It says, of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, so that he drove him out and he went away. Um, so it's cool, Psalm 34, like a lot of Psalms, you don't necessarily know what's going on in the background. You just know, like there's this beautiful Psalm, these are the things that that person wrote. And um, 
we can enter into that. Um, but this one is cool because we actually can know what was going on in David's life at the time that he wrote it. Um, and um, so a little background on David. You, probably, you guys probably know this already, but for anybody that doesn't, uh, David was kind of a poor shepherd boy, and he was anointed by Samuel the prophet to be the future king. Um, and God's spirit was on him from that day, and everything was going really well for him. He was chosen by God. The people loved him. The king and his son, Jonathan, they loved him. Um, he was getting, like, rising authority, like, more and more authority. And wherever he went, he was successful. Um, but then things, like, started to turn a different corner. Um, and Saul, he was kind of, he was already kind of going crazy. And he started to think, you know, maybe all of David's success is not such a good thing. Um, in fact, he heard some women singing. They were singing, Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. And so he was just jealous. And um, it finally became clear to David and even to Saul's son, Jonathan, um, that indeed uh, Saul was going to do, King Saul was going to do whatever he could to kill David. And so in 1 Samuel 21, David uh, flees first to... Um, Anyway, eventually he flees Israel, and he goes to this city called Gath, and um, he goes to see, to see uh, King Ashish, or also known as Abimelech. Um, so he goes to this Philistine city, and, out, and uh, Ashish, or Abimelech, he was the king of the Philistines. Um, and so, you know, the Philistines are Israel's enemy, so it might seem kind of weird. Why would David flee to this, the enemy's territory, to like the worst place to go. Um, so, you know, I don't know exactly what was going on in David's mind, but maybe he thought, well, you know, Saul is trying to kill me, and the Philistines hate Saul, and so maybe they're going to help me. You know, it's like the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Um, but this, he was wrong. <laughs> this was not the case. Um, they were very familiar with David. In fact, they knew that song, that the Saul has struck down his thousands, David his ten thousands. And so, like, David was more famous for killing Philistines than, than King Saul was. So he went to the worst place possible. Um, and so, you know, the guards are starting to bring David before the king, and he hears them quote this song, and he's like, oh, like, this was a bad idea. This was a really stupid idea. And so he, the Bible says that he became much afraid and so you can kind of imagine his thoughts at that moment. And it's like, what was I thinking? This was the dumbest thing I have ever done. Uh, how am I going to get out of this? I, I imagine he was praying to God constantly, God, I don't know how you're going to get me out of this. Please get me out of this. Um, but uh, all of a sudden, this idea comes into his mind. He's like, hmm, maybe I should just like act like I'm totally insane. And so he starts acting like he's insane. He's like spit coming down his beard. And he's just being ridiculous. And, um, and the king sees him, and he's like, we got enough crazy people around here. We do not need another crazy person in my house. And so he says, get out of here. Get that guy out of here. And so they kick David out. Fortunately, they don't kill him, behead him. And he flees to a cave. And then it's about this time that he writes the psalm, Psalm 34. So um, I want to ask you guys uh, to grab your... Bible or your device that has a Bible, and if you have one, 
If you don't, there's gonna, we're going to have the, the Bible up here, but later on we're going to look back at different things. I'm going to ask you to look back at different things, and it'll, it'll be helpful to have that Bible with, out. Um, so what we're going to do, um, I, wanna, I want us to read this together. Okay, and I'm looking at Mark Lang right now. He says, I'm really sorry to the introverts. I know you're always helping the introverts, but this is not going to be super comfortable for you introverts because... Um, but also, I'm not sorry because today's theme is kind of like being a nerd for Jesus and being weird for Jesus, okay? So this is a good exercise for you introverts. We're going to, I'm going to ask you guys to stand up and to read, okay, a little grace though. We're only doing the first seven verses right now. Um, we're going to read the first seven verses. And um, what I want you to do is I want you to um, try to read this psalm the way that you think that uh, David would have actually been reading this psalm. Like, what would have been his emotions? Like, how would he have read this? So this is why it's a little uncomfortable for the introverts, okay? It's like, extroverts are like, yes, I can, Deborah's over there, she's an actress, and she, you know, is like, yes, I'm gonna shout it out. Um, but, um, but yeah, uh, read with the emotion that you think David would have had. Okay, so let's, can we all stand up together? We're going to read the first seven verses of Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those to look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Amen. You guys can sit down. I'm going to continue reading, and this is my, like, penance for trying to look cool too often. I'm going to keep reading and be a nerd. Um, yeah. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer, want, and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, oh children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many good day, many days that he may see good. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous and his ears towards their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. And, um, yeah, this is just this kind of how I imagine David would have said it, but I bet he would have been shouting a lot more. I bet he had been crying um, tears of joy and, and thanksgiving or conviction. Um, <clears throat> so 
again, I apologize to the introverts, but we're actually gonna do a little more uncomfortableness here. Um, I want you guys to discuss a question with one or two people sitting next to you, okay? Um, so if there's nobody sitting next to you, even more uncomfortable, you can move like a chair over, <clears throat> okay? Um, and remember, we're becoming nerds for Jesus, right? Um, so the question is, what can we see is true about God from reading this passage? What can we see is true about God from reading this passage? So this is where you can go back and look at your phones and, um, or your Bibles and then just discuss with the person next to you that question. Give you guys just like two minutes. Time is tight. Okay, well, for time's sake, I'm going to keep going. I hope you guys saw some cool things in there. Um, yeah. Um, he saves us. His angels camp around us. He's good. He's a refuge. He supplies anything we need. I could go on and on. But something that's really cool um, about these um, is that, you know, these aren't just, I don't know if you know this, but there's a lot of experience going on in this psalm. It's not just somebody telling us about God. It's somebody that's experienced God. Um, and I think, and so it's kind of a testimony. I feel like this, this psalm is really, it's like David sharing his testimony with you. Um, it's like I have experienced this. I'm not just saying I know this knowledge, but I have experienced God in these ways. Um, and I think that helps things go deeper for me when somebody I trust is, is sharing not just knowledge, but his testimony or her testimony. Um, and so my next question, and uh, can you put the next question on there? We don't have time to discuss this, but the question is, how would you describe David's emotional and spiritual state in the psalm? So if you're just thinking about what's David's emotions going on, and I think you already probably interpreted that a little bit when you were reading it. At least I asked you to, to kind of read it the way you thought he was feeling. Um, what's, his, what's going on with his emotions? And I think it's, some emotions are pretty obvious He's just filled with praise and joy. It's so obvious. I'm not going to list all the verses, but it's just pouring out of him. Um, the next thing I notice is that he's really filled with humility. In verse 2, he's, he says he boasts in the Lord. It's not just in himself. He's not boasting in himself. He's boasting what God's done. He calls himself this poor man. Um, in verse 4, he said he was delivered from his fears. So he's just admitting, like, I'm, I'm afraid. I was terrified, and God saved me. And he speaks of crying out to God for help. Um, he refers to God uh, himself as God's servant. Um, so there's a lot of humility going on. And then I think he's just filled with thanksgiving for specific things that God has done for him. And he can't stop talking about God and urging others to trust in him. Um, so a lot of psalms are, you know, the, the, the writer talking to God. But this psalm, it's more like a ministry psalm. He's like urging other people to trust in God. He's ministering to other people. He's like, come with me, trust in God. He's, he's worthy of our trust. Um, and so, you know, sometimes you read a psalm, and it, I don't know if you guys ever really like, read a psalm, and it's like, this is exactly what I'm going through today. Um, but a lot of times we read psalms, and it's like, eh, this doesn't really have anything to do with the way I'm feeling right now. It's like a song of lament, you're happy, or like it's a song of praise, and you are like really broken inside. Um, so something that helps me sometimes is to think back to a specific time in your life when, you've, when you had these kinds of emotions that the writer is, has at the time that they're writing the, the psalm. 
And so I want to ask you guys to think back. Is there a time that God kind of saved you um, out of like a terrible mess? Like maybe it was a stupid thing that you did, like a big mess that you created because of your own stupidity or sin, but he saved you and he rescued you and you were just filled with praise and thanksgiving. Or maybe it's like, um, maybe God did like a really great work in your life and the, the good result, it's really had nothing to do with you. It was just total grace. Um, I want you to think back to that moment. Um, I'm gonna share a moment in my life where something like that happens. Actually, there's been a lot of examples and most of them have to do, I realized, I was trying to think of some examples. Most of them have to do with my family, um, the family that I grew up in. Um, but uh, one in particular, um, the clearest example that I could think of, of kind of experiencing this humility and praise and thanksgiving just like radiating from me, um, happened in the spring of 2003. Um, I came here to China, and I was dating my wife Angie at the time, and I was living with Jeff Stage, wherever he's at. Um, we were like in an apartment. And, um, but there was a lot of stress going on in my life and my heart because right before I came, um, we had just found out that my mom had cancer. And um, so I left for China like very soon after that. And there was just a lot of stress in my heart because my parents were new Christians at that time. I, I told you guys about how um, they were laughing at me, but soon afterwards they became Christians. Not, not to do even barely at all with me, um, but God just did these amazing miracles in my, in my family. And, uh, but my parents were new Christians at this time. And um, my mom did pass away four years after that. But at that time, it was just like, I'm away from my parents. They're going through this really hard time. Um, I don't know how they're going to, are they going to cling to God? Are they going to fall away from him? And so I got this email from my mom. I was in China. And, you know, my mom is a very loving woman, um, but she is not emotional at all. Like, in her family, you, it is not okay to talk about your emotions. It is, like, she, they never said, I love you or anything like that in their family. And is, she could talk for hours about anything, about the weather, about some book she read or something. But talk about anything serious or emotional, it's like, no, no we don't do that. That's weird. And so, um, yeah, I got this group email from her. And she had sent it to her six brothers and sisters and their spouses and her parents. And she just shared the details of her testimony and how she gave her life to Christ. She shared the gospel really clearly. Um, she shared how much she cared for all of them and about how having cancer made her realize that she really needed to tell them about Jesus and, and just how much she loved them and, and how uh, Jesus had sacrificed for them. Um, and she wanted to tell him about it before it was too late. And I just remember, I was reading, as I was reading the email, like on the computer, I was sitting there like reading it, and I, I, like, I kept having to stop to like, yes, like, you know, just yes, okay, and then I keep reading, I'm like, yes, yeah, mom, do it. I was like, and pretty soon I was just bawling. I was jumping on the couches, and I was like, you're amazing, God, you're awesome, yes. And I was singing, and like, Jeff was not at home at the time. It was, a, it was just me. <laughs> if he was home, I'm sure I would have been doing it in my heart. But um, anyway, I was just, I could not believe that my mom could write that. My mom write that kind of an email to her family. I was just overwhelmed with gratitude and joy and thanksgiving. Um, and I knew, I knew now, like, a reason why my mom had cancer. I mean, 
I don't know all the reasons, but I knew at least one reason. She would have never shared that had she not had something that really spurred her on to like, I got to do this before it's too late. And not only that, I was so excited. Like, I went outside and I was just like, will anybody talk to me? Please somebody talk to me so I can tell you about what God has done for me. Um, I was, I was just like riding buses that I didn't, I didn't need to go anywhere. I just got on a bus so that I could interact with people. Um, and I think this is why I love that psalm so much. Um, I believe God has called us all to be a part of his great commission and to make disciples of all nations. And personally, I felt like a strong calling to this. That's what my life is about. But I know that without a heart like this, a heart like David has that's overflowing with worship and joy and praise, um, I'm going to eventually burn out. I'm not going to be effective. And, um, you know, yeah, I don't want to have the duty and the job to witness to others. I don't want that to be my, my job. I want evangelism just to be me wanting to tell people about how good God is. I want it to be like worship towards other, you know, worship of God towards other people. Praising God to other people. And I believe you guys should want this too. Um, I think one of the reasons um, you should want this is because we don't want to be hypocrites, right? Um, if you're a confessing Christian, you're telling people that God is good and he's trustworthy. Um, but people can spot a hypocrite. Um, if you say it, but you don't feel it, both you and they know it. Jesus quoted Isaiah in Matthew 15. He said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And so the sincerity of our words or our lack of sincerity can have a huge effect on people around us. And kind of for moms and dads out there, I was listening to this sermon um, by John Piper, and he said, hypocritical dads destroy children. Real dads who are blessing the Lord from the bottom of their feet to the top of their head with their mouths save children. That's really convicting for me as a dad. Um, yeah, if our hearts are not where our lips are, um, yeah, we can, the good news is we can ask God for help. You know, we can ask God, like, to make our soul, make our hearts catch up with where our lips are. And um, I think that's why David says, bless the Lord, O my soul. He's like telling his soul, catch up to my words. Like, I'm already praising you with my lips. This was also, actually, this is not my thoughts. This is from a, a John Piper sermon I was listening to. Um, he's like, catch up to my mouth. Um, I don't want to be a hypocrite. Come on, soul, like, catch up. And I think we can do that even when we come to worship. If you guys are singing praise songs and it's like, I want to believe this is true, you can just ask God, like, God, help my soul. Soul, bless the Lord. Um, but I don't, I don't think I would need to convince you guys that this is what you want either, um, this kind of a heart. I know it's what you want because you guys are new creation. At least if you put your trust in Jesus, you're a new creation in Christ and you have the Holy Spirit living inside you. And it's one of our deepest desires to praise God and to praise him towards other people and tell people about him. And that's what David did. Um, he, he praised God towards others. He pleaded with them to run to him, to trust in him. So if this is what you want, how do we get there? How do we get... Uh, how did David get there? How did he become somebody who was just radiating with praise from every pore of his being and calling others to do the same? And I think one aspect is that he didn't just learn about God, he went out and experienced God. 
Um, you notice I mentioned before all the experiencing words that are in the psalm. He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. He says, this poor man cried. Um, those who seek the Lord, I sought the Lord. He's calling people to try God. It's kind of like, yeah, just, just try him out. Just try him out. I love this quote, and it's usually given to um, non-believers. Um, it says, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and left untried. And I think you can change Christian ideal with just God. God has not been found, he's not been tried and found wanting. He's been found difficult and left untried. And I think that's true for Christians a lot of the time. Um, so I'm not sure where you're at right now. But I think a good barometer to see where you're at in overflowing and praise, with, praise towards God is to uh, take a look at what's, what our words are. What do we talk about? There's another quote here. It says, we talk about what we love. What can you not stop talking about? What do you just can't wait to, to talk about? And this is convicting for me. Um, a lot of times I find myself talking to a friend and it's like, man, I'm just hoping that he's gonna ask about football because my team just won yesterday and I just cannot wait to talk about the Hawkeyes. I'm from Iowa. Um, yeah. um, <laughs> or it's like, I just, I've been researching phones. I'm gonna get a new phone. I already ordered it. I'm just waiting for it to come. Somebody talk to me about like phones because I wanna tell you about my new phone or my new laptop or something, the hard drive, the screen, da, da, da. Um, yeah, I just kind of wonder, was David like sitting around like, could somebody please ask me about God? Just somebody just mention God because I have all these amazing things I wanna tell you about, about what he did for me. And that's where I want to be, and I think that's where we all want to be. Um, so what's keeping us from being there? I think one thing is, well, you may not be a believer yet, and if you have not trusted Jesus as your Savior, please come talk to me or one of the elders after the service. Um, maybe we don't have a vision for that yet, um, and that's one of my goals for today. I think idols also, um, the things that I just talked about, can be a huge hindrance to us delighting and praising God and then, um, and then another thing is just not experiencing him. Maybe we haven't experienced him, or we've forgotten the experiences we've had of God being trustworthy. Um, so some things I just want to encourage you towards. Um, I realize my time is running really fast. Um, some things I want to encourage you guys towards. Um, oh, and suddenly, ah, yeah, yeah. Uh, one is that to, to make this a goal, to, to be like, God, I want to be, be a nerd. I want to be a Jesus nerd for you. And just ask him for that. And the second one is uprooting idols. How do we uproot idols? Uh, John Hill was talking about man, our man caves for some of us guys. But, you know, what is an idol? And I think idol is anything we run to to meet a need that God has said that he's going to meet. And so where do we go for rest? Where do you go for rest? For life, for joy, for security? What's your hope in? Remember, we talk about what we love. Um, so what can you not stop talking about? And then how do you uproot them? Um, I think first, recognizing what they are, confessing them to God. God, this thing has become an idol in my life. And, um, you know, it also might mean giving things up, sacrificing things. You might have to um, delete the game off your phone that you can't stop looking at or that you make excuses to go to the bathroom to look at and do one more thing on it. Um, not talking from personal experience, of course. <clears throat> um, 
you might have to get rid of that Korean drama um, or whatever it is um, or get accountability to stop running to it. Um, this, is, this is kind of embarrassing, but um, I had to ask a friend to hold me accountable to not play online chess all during 2018 except for on Thursdays. That was my one day. Um, because I kept running to it too often. I just, no one knows. <laughs> um, so, and then inviting God to take the place of where those idols are in our hearts. Um, and then we do that in the last area that I just want to mention real quick, which is experiencing God. And I think we experience God when we step out in faith. Um, and I think three areas that I want to just mention real quick to step out in faith in. One is just reading God's word. These are really basic. Reading God's word. And number two, putting it into practice. And that's in, uh, sorry, putting that into practice. And then the third area is um, remembering what God's done. So Jesus said, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. It's really simple. Um, but maybe it's asking yourself, like, what would it take to encounter and experience God daily through prayer and his word? Um, so for you, maybe that uh, means accountability. Like, it's okay to ask for help and accountability for things that you cannot get into a good habit of yourself. Um, sometimes we need to humble ourselves and just ask for help. Um, maybe it means getting to bed earlier. Um, maybe it means spending time, making sure you're filled with his spirit before you read his, read, read his word so that you're not just thinking about, how can I use God's word to like, make myself look good or lead a good Bible study or whatever it is you are tempted to use God's word for instead of just applying it to yourself. Um, and then the, the area of putting God's word into practice. I think one area is, part is like building up his body. Um, so how can we experience God through his body? Um, guys met this morning, and I think we really experienced God's word through these men that were around us. Um, and then also being a part of his mission. Um, yeah, I think we, we experience God through being a part of God's mission to help those who, with needs and to help seek and save the lost. And so are you a part of God's mission in the world? And how can you enter more into what God is doing? You know, for example, is, is sharing your faith a normal part of your life? If it's not, find somebody that has more experience than you do and ask them for help. They're probably like, yeah, I got lots of experience, but it's kind of not been a habit of me either, mine either lately. So I'd love some accountability and let's do it together. You know, just bake some cookies and go to your neighbors. Make sure you pray beforehand and think through some salty questions. Um, okay, and then finally, as you experience God, record what he's done. I feel like I could, it's embarrassing, but I can probably only remember like 15 real tangible things. It's like I totally saw God show up in there. But I bet he's done like a thousand things. I and mean, there's so many times where I'm like, I cannot believe you did that. God, it is so amazing. And the next week I'm like, what did he do? It's something to do with, I prayed and did something. I don't, I don't remember. So write down those things. I have a file on my phone, like a notepad, that's just called God Did. And I just, whenever God does something, I write down. And so now my list has gotten a little longer than that. Um, so I just want to encourage you guys, um, set your goal to 
be overflowing with praise for God, and it's okay that none of us are there. We're never going to get totally there. We're going to be um, praising worthless things in our hearts sometimes. Um, but I just want to pray for you guys in closing in prayer. Heavenly Father, we, we recognize that our hearts um, tend towards running to, to worthless things instead of you who are worthy of all of our attention and, and time and praise. Um, and we want that, God. Um, we want to be so filled up with praise towards you, even when, we're, when things are hard and um, the circumstances call for us to, um, to grieve and to be sad. And that's good. It's good to grieve and to be sad. And, um, and yet, um, God, we want also just a heart of praise and worship and a delight in you. We want to be overflowing with that. And when you open doors for us to share with others, we want to praise you to them. We ask you for that in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.